0: Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. You can't reconcile what you don't recognize. You can't reconcile what you don't recognize. St. Paul, in his letter to the church at Galatia, recognizes some divisive and difficult dynamics that are plaguing the church at Galatia, enough that he writes this fiery letter where he dispenses with the normal pleasantries of, it's so good to see you, how are you doing, and jumps right into, you foolish Galatians! And he builds and he mounts in this beautiful and poignant and powerful letter to this amazing picture of of faithful, spiritual community. I want to invite you, invite you to pause and reflect on how these words might reach into our own time, into our own place, into our own hearts, and speak a fresh word to us, a needed word to us. And perhaps, perhaps this picture of Christian community that Paul paints isn't what we expect. doesn't mean what we think it means, at least not at first. Join me in reading from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. Paul builds to this to this beautiful image where he says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. My kids don't see skin color, she wrote. We only promote love. I get it. I get the good place that sentiment springs from. I get the good intentions that are behind it. I get that it grows from a a spiritual place. She later shared on social media that she believes all people are made in the image of God and all people have dignity and worth. She believes that God's love is unconditional for all people. And and though she didn't say it, maybe she had in mind that oneness in Christ that Paul celebrates and that we read about in Galatians 3.28. Yeah, I get it. Colorblindness, in some ways, makes a kind of sense. And it's a common refrain, especially from white people. And it's a refrain that, if I'm honest, I've hummed at least a few times. But I'm learning now more than ever that colorblindness is not the way. Colorblindness doesn't equip us to promote the love we seek to live in the way of Christ. And Paul, Paul does anything but ignore, ignore differences in his letter to the Galatians. And to the contrary, he, he seeks instead to name and reconcile the differences that are plaguing the church. You see, we can't reconcile what we can't recognize The murder of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many other black people have sparked protests around our country, protests about the insidious, unjust, deadly, and destructive ways that race still works in our country. The long reach of slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, lynching, and mass incarceration has created a racialized world that we cannot, indeed we should not, ignore. It has created a world that I don't experience in the same way as a black person It is a world I don't understand without real effort and a lot of listening and learning and compassion. So, I've been doing some homework. I'm grateful for the resources provided by the Christian Church Disciples of Christ Reconciliation Ministry. Uh, There are links to these resources available on our sermon webpage as well as uh, with this video description. And I found a book in those resources that resonated with me and I started reading. It's entitled Raising White Kids. Like a lot of white people, I don't often think about myself in terms of race. Yet, I'm a white dad raising white kids, so I thought, let's start there. Why not? In the first few chapters, my eyes were opened to how colorblindness is not only impossible, it's not very effective. Colorblindness is impossible because from a very early age, perhaps as early as three months old, studies have shown that children are already able to see differences, including differences in skin tone and skin complexion. We can't keep kids from seeing skin color. That just, that just comes with being human and perceptive, and it's okay. What we want to resist are the meanings, messages, and destructive ideas connected to skin color that our kids will be exposed to as they grow, that we've been exposed to. Meanings, messages, and ideas that circulate in our culture, whether we like it or not, it's the territory we find ourselves in. And not talking about race at all, well, that sends a message too. Like that something is wrong or dangerous or shameful about people who look different. And you can't reconcile what you can't recognize. As I was reading, I began to think about my, my active commitment to raise emotionally intelligent children. I believe that all emotions are okay. That there's nothing wrong with being sad or glad or mad. But that doesn't mean that I want to be, my kids to be emotionally blind. There are better and worse ways to respond. So, even though all emotions are important, I would, I would never want my children to be emotionally blind. I want them to be emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, emotionally capable. My job as a parent isn't, is, is to help my children recognize and name the emotions that they're having so they can learn how to respond constructively and positively to them. And the same, I think, is true of race. I just didn't connect the dots before. As the author of Raising White Kids indicates, developing race consciousness in our children helps our children process their experience in a racialized world, helps them untangle messages they are getting from others, and and equips our children to respond responsibly and constructively with others and actively actively resist the sinful reality of racism and white supremacy. You know, I wonder if the opposite of white supremacy isn't colorblindness, but white responsibility. That is white people like me and my kids taking responsibility for the situation we find ourselves in and working to dismantle racism and transform our world in love. And that's a bit like what Paul is doing in his letter to the Galatians. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, all are one in Christ Jesus, so get along. No, he, he works toward reconciliation by naming and speaking to the very real differences that were working in destructive ways in the church, especially the differences between Jewish Christians and Gentiles. His letter attempts to counteract the ways that certain Jewish Christians were claiming a kind of spiritual superiority to Gentiles, forcing them to take on particular practices like like circumcision in order to be fully included in the family of faith. Paul, a Jewish Christian, lays down his privilege as a Jewish Christian in this context. In this context, he does so for the sake of the Gentile Christians, urging a full and complete embrace of Gentiles as Gentiles. So when Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, he's not suggesting ignoring or being blind to these differences, but reconciling the differences in the deeper way of Christ's life and love. No, you can't reconcile what you don't recognize. Jesus, too, wasn't colorblind. His ministry was profoundly attentive to the ways that religious, cultural, and political differences left some out, harmed others, and worked in destructive and deadly ways. One of the most famous parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan, would have been shocking to those who first heard it. In the parable, if you don't recall, Jesus tells of a man robbed and left injured on the side of a road, and and along comes a priest of the Jerusalem temple who, who doesn't respond or help, and then next comes a religious helper in the temple who also doesn't respond or help, but instead walks right past. And finally, now wait for it, the hero comes along. If the hero comes along as the third person in a story like this, that, that would have been fully expected to those who were first hearing this. And This is just how stories like this were told. It's, it's just that usually <laughs> the hero is an everyday Judean, and the message is usually a critique of those who hold religious power and authority. But Jesus does something shocking. It's not an ordinary Judean who is the hero. It's a Samaritan. It is someone who was considered culturally, religiously, and ethnically inferior or unclean to the Judeans. The message, the message now challenges the very people who are hearing this and challenging them to see their own relationship to the Samaritans as one in need of grace and new life. No, Jesus wasn't colorblind at all. And he told colorful stories meant to shock and stretch our holy imagination. Jesus knew well, you can't reconcile what you can't recognize. And he put the Samaritans out in front. Our work, church, is to better recognize how race works in our society. To understand how race works in our own lives, in the lives of others, and in our wider society. We are not called to be colorblind. We're called to reconcile, to work for the oneness, that reconciliation in Christ that Paul celebrates. And that can only be done if we get real about race, about racism and about how we can lay down our power and privilege to enact reconciliation. I want to leave you with this parable that a friend of mine who is an Episcopal priest composed. It's a parable of power washing. He writes, my wife and I bought a house a few years ago and it it had a lot of deferred maintenance, including some algae on the back deck. I I put off dealing with it partly out of some passive aggression that someone else should have taken care of it. I, I... I inherited this problem. I didn't cause it. But ultimately, it sank in that whoever started it, I'm the one who lives here now. And the green algae and grime was going to get worse and not better if left alone. My mom's partner has a power washer. I knew the tool existed and that it was for this sort of thing. He had actually offered to bring it over before. I think a bit of pride probably got in my way of admitting I could use it right away. Finally, I agreed, and he brought it over. It hadn't been used in a decade or more, and it took us some time examining it to figure out where exactly it connected, but after a bit, we got it going. We were thrilled to see the first line of beautiful brown wood appear from under the grime. All of a sudden, it felt, it felt gross to be standing on the gunk all over the deck, but, but we knew it was possible to get it off. So. So I started with one spot and just worked on it until it was clear enough that I could move and stand there. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity that virtue or sin were journeys where each step takes you closer to the next one, farther in. I thought about that as I cleared a tiny path that got larger as I went. And I'll admit, when I, when I looked back, some of the first work I'd done was rough and imperfect and I had to go back and do it over again now that I knew more of what I was doing. I worked a few hours. It was actually impressive just how much did come off just by that first work. The right tool and a commitment to use it got me going. But I also knew that this was going to take more than a day what had accumulated had accumulated for years before I arrived. There are some places where the wood has been damaged and needs to be made whole. There are some places where the slime is is hardened and is going to need a more forceful tool to come in order to come off the deck's foundation. But the only way it comes off is if I do the work. And whether I like it or not, I'm going to have to stay vigilant and continue to be a of my deck. Keeping it clear of things that will rot it and cleaning it off regularly. That's how I get to a deck I can be proud of and glad to invite others over to enjoy. He writes that anti-racism work is getting the gunk of generations off our souls. We might not have put it all there but we're the ones living here now and we have to admit we need good tools that others might have to lend us and to make us start where we are, however imperfect, and build from there. And we might have to go over some layers more than once, and, and other pieces will require us to learn even more tools to deal with the hardest spots. And it won't take a day, and we'll have to learn to be vigilant in a continuing way. And it is the only way to restore the beauty, the beauty of our foundation to something we can be proud of, and that can be enjoyed in true friendship, community Thanks for listening to the message this week visit southelcorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.